If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Finally back in the Heartland Sports Recording Studio for the Sooner Nation podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Once again, we want to say thank you so much for how you participate in this show, whether it's just sending us your feedback. Feed, feedback? You ever send some feedback, Rich? No. <laughs> sending your feedback by email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Hitting us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland, or just leaving a comment here and there. Thanks so much for being a part of the Sooner Nation podcast. Do us a favor, if you're catching us on Apple Podcasts, if you're catching us on Spotify or wherever you're getting us, give us that rating. We sure would appreciate that. 2020 recruiting cycle is completed. Offers are going out like crazy for 2021. Oklahoma right now has three commitments, hard commitments for 2021, a wide receiver, a defensive end, and an offensive tackle. This is a class that's going to grow and it's going to be a top 10 class again in 2021. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, 2021 is a, is a very interesting year for a number of factors for Oklahoma. And it's because of what was lacking, needless to say, in 2020 through the early signing period. Of course, addressing some of those issues there in February with what was lacking, quote, unquote, five star recruits. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. You know, there's only one in the entire Big 12. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, go ahead. Five, five star recruits being the biggest issue and the, the biggest knock that a lot of people who follow recruiting are going to put against the Oklahoma Sooners, more specifically Lincoln Riley, instead of beating the bush, beating around the bush, um, excuse me, we are just going to come out and flat out say it. It's it's those five star recruits. That's why 2021 is extremely interesting for me, because the way things are shaking out right now, it appears as though Oklahoma could have the number one recruits at, at their respective positions from two different positions, running back and quarterback interested in attending the university of Oklahoma could be a very big year for Oklahoma. Well, let's talk about this five-star thing for 2020 before we get fully into 2021. I wrote an article about this after national signing day, the official national signing day earlier this month. And, you know, when you, when you compare Oklahoma and Texas in their recruiting classes, and, and this is basically what I was, what I, the point of the article was, there's one position that defines this recruiting class, and that was the running back position. Oklahoma didn't get chump change at running back. The Seth McGowan kid, we got a, a video right now at heartland-sports.com, the kid running 19 miles an hour in high school, 
and you know, reminded me of Trey Brown in the Big 12 Championship. You wrote a, a post about that, how he was was it? It wasn't Mims. Who was it? Platt. He was chasing down Platt in the Big 12 Championship game. You know, Trey Brown's been on campus for four years. This kid's just getting on campus and he's running 20, 19 plus miles per hour. So Oklahoma got a good running back. But when you look at the, the point of, the, of of what I was writing was the Texas got the five star at their greatest need. When's the last time you can think of a Texas running back being an all conference caliber guy, a Texas running back where you think, man, this guy mm-hmm. scares me. You got anything? Yeah, uh, it for me personally, I I have to go back almost 15 years. Well, and it's and you know one of the things that we're working on for future posting to kind of get us through the rest of the spring, dog days of summer, we're doing our all decade team for the Big 12. And one thing that's really shocked me as we're going through basically looking at you know 10 years of all conference teams to select our guys from is the lack of Texas offensive players in the last 10 years. And so you're a five-star recruit and you're looking at, you know, the kid that left that, that was committed to Oklahoma ended up going to Alabama. You know, um, when, when you look at these things and you, and you think, okay, at Oklahoma, they're stacked five deep. Oklahoma is legitimately stacked, stacked five deep at running back. Texas converted a, a quarterback to running back. It's a no brainer. I mean, if you want to get on the field, if you're a four star, five star talent and you want to get on the field and have a, an immediate impact, it's a no brainer where you end up going. And, and that's the, that was the one difference between what happened to Oklahoma and what happened to Texas recruiting. That's why Texas ended up with the, with the number one recruiting class and Oklahoma ended up number two. But that said, I, I think I, I don't I don't look at the lack of five stars and think, well, that was a that was a bad class. I look at the, the as they hit the need. They needed linemen. They got on both sides of the ball. They needed defensive guys in the secondary, and they got those. They needed some more wide receiver depth. You know, and this Mims kid, I'm telling you, this Mims kid is going to be phenomenal to watch. And when you look at 2021, you you cycle back through. We, we talked about Chandler Morris and the need for a quarterback in 2020. Well, 2021, you, you don't just need a quarterback. You need a, a playmaker at quarterback. And I've got some news we're going to share on that here in just a minute. And I've totally derailed the conversation about 2021 and going back to 2020. But when you look at all the offers that have gone out, I mean, they've been just giving out offers like over Winfrey gives out cars. To me, what what hits me is, again, looking at defensive secondary. There, there's, there, there's a lot going on with this defense. And you can tell Alex Grinch is still looking at overhauling the personnel of his defense beyond this coming fall into 2021 and really 2021 will be his third recruiting cycle, but not his third full recruiting cycle. But the defensive side of the ball is really is what's kept my attention more than anything else with recruiting. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. There's been a ideological shift with Alex Grinch showing up on campus and the, the easiest way or the most obvious way that I can point this out is if you went and you looked at the secondary specifically because everybody wants top-notch players in the secondary to land in Norman under Alex Grinch, I feel as though they're being a little bit more selective with who these offers are going out to. But more importantly is they are looking at, at size. They're looking at height. Of the 26 players that currently hold offers in the secondary for the 2021 recruiting class cycle, if you will, how many would you say are under six feet tall? Just secondary. 
I, oh, only six. And all, I was going to guess six. So of just, those six, only one of them I think is five ten. The rest are listed at five eleven, five eleven and a half, which means the remaining eighteen are anywhere from six foot tall to six four. Well, and that's what Grinch wants. I mean, and, right, and, that's what that's, I'm saying. That's and that's what goes back to what I was saying is he's overhauling the personnel. And and again, I've been harping on this since since Alex Grinch was hired. It's not just going to be X's and O's. It's, you've got to change out personnel. And we, we got to talk more about this, but I want to bring up some some offensive news about your five star guy. And we're going to talk about that right after this. Living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of our listeners probably have some type of pain that's prevented them from relaxing and sleeping or stopped them from exercising altogether. Perhaps it's been going on for a few weeks now and it hasn't improved with any of the treatments that you've tried. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and its relief lasts up to 8 hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter the code OVERTIME. That is omaxhealth.com and enter the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide products. Still not sold? I can tell you that pro athletes such as PGA golfer Kyle Stanley uses cryo-free CBD to recover both on and off the course. And go look at the product reviews. They've got 95% five-star reviews page after page. Customers saying that they've tried everything, and Omax cryo-freeze is so good that they're now buying it for their family and their friends as well. Anyone from athletes to grandma can benefit from this immediate pain relief. You have that pain that won't go away, then you can qualify for Omax CryoFreeze. Simply roll it over where it hurts and then you ice out the pain. It's that easy. No messy creams or horrible fragrances like some of the other products. CryoFreeze works within 10 minutes of application, improving physical training, recovery, and performance. So go to OmaxHealth.com, enter the promo code OVERTIME, and get 20% off CryoFreeze and products site-wide. I'm telling you, this product is the real deal. So go to Omax, O-M-A-X, health.com, and the promo code OVERTIME. You know, I, I think, you know, we're agreeing that it's a defensive mindset when it comes to this 2021 recruiting. And it, it's, it, 2021, to me, is more important for Alex Grinch than even what 2020 was. Because it's that third year that you're really judged by. And you, you know you're losing guys like Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore off of this team from 2019. You're replacing those guys with two JUCO defensive tackles. By the way, the top two JUCO defensive tackles available for the class. But I think 2021, that proof's in the pudding there. That's, that's where, to me, you're going to find out after two years of on-the-field product, are guys buying into this or not? And so I think that's where you hit up 
if you're going to judge what Alex Grinch is doing, I think you judge it after this current recruiting cycle, 2021, more than anything else. That's a fair statement, especially given the three years. But we also have to ask, is three years enough time to develop that talent when they step on and a lot of those guys are going to redshirt? Well, when you're recruiting heavily on junior college, you, I mean, you don't get three That's years true. to develop them. That's true. I, I see the JUCO route being the addressing of a, an immediate need. I mean, you've mentioned the defensive tackles. Obviously, Oklahoma not only losing a starter, but losing depth mm-hmm. at that position. You have to address that moving in, especially knowing that the guy from the 2019 class, even though committed, signed, opted to transfer out at that position, you were left with this gaping hole. 20. 2020 was that time to address that. I I see your argument with the junior college players three years recruiting wise. I'm on board with. I'm so questioning. Is it enough time to say these players have been developed into what we want them to be? And, And largely that comes by virtue of saying, have all the other players have these experienced players bought into the scheme, bought into the idea that I'm selling. Because if they aren't on board, but the young guys are, you still have some kind of dissonance happening there. I see what you're saying, but here, here's the thing, is that with, with recruiting junior college talent, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, well, Lincoln Riley as well, because ultimately he's responsible for everything, but Alex Grinch doesn't have time for a JUCO. At this point, he does not have time for a JUCO kid not to pan out. These two defensive tackles that they've gotten in this class, they have to pan out because there's nobody else, you know, and, and you're, you're looking at, you know, Ronnie Perkins being gone for five games. You know, you, you, you have, these guys have to come in there and they have to immediately pay dividends. And the same thing, you know, the, the cornerback that they were, that they just offered this week for 2021 Juco cornerback. He's got to pay dividends. If he comes, he's got to pay dividends. Because JUCO guys, JUCO guys buy you the time to develop the younger guys. The younger guys don't buy you the time to develop. If if, a, if you get a JUCO guy and he's not developed, he's not. He's. He, it, I mean, there's no time for JUCO. It is you're here. You got to work. You got to earn your spot, and you have to produce right now. I'm glad that you mentioned JUCO, um, because initially when we were talking about the argument. At hand, I'm over here saying, well, why don't we apply that same exact mindset to the to the offensive side of the ball? Do, do we just give them a break because it hasn't been the weak point? You've corrected it. I was about to come at you because I'm saying, so do we do we say the same thing about Spencer Rattler? But he's not a Juco guy. But I think Spencer Rattler has to produce. I mean, this is the year. That no, he, I, I completely and, and, agree. And again, if you want to stick Juco offensive side of the ball, Ramon J. Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson's a guy that you you don't you you take a you, you don't take a flyer especially when you're as deep at running back as what Oklahoma is you don't take a flyer on Ramondre Stevenson you you have a spot for him something you want him to do which makes his suspension all the more significant to Oklahoma because of what you need from him and you needed that in 2019 and you needed it in 2020 again what I'm saying is and it's it's really two different perspectives you get the rich which is the which is the offensive side of the ball and you got the poor in talent which is the defensive side of the ball and neither one of them can afford to waste a junior college scholarship if you're offering junior college you got to produce and if you don't produce you're not really getting what you thought you were getting out of that player 
Yeah, when we talk about Spencer Rattler, I'm going to go back to that very, very briefly. Spencer Rattler still has to win the job. He's won the job. There's no contest. There's no competition. (laughs) He he still has to win the job. Nothing is official at this point in time. Well, it's officially unofficial. I mean, that's the thing. And again, raise your hand if you think this is a real quarterback competition. My hand's not raised. No, it's Yours not. Is. Well, I'm just you. Put it by, down. Put yeah, it down. example. Here, here's the truth: is is what we saw in the bowl game in the college football playoff is is what everybody has essentially subscribed to when it comes to the quarterback battle. I'm one of those because whatever coach speak was happening at the time, to me, it was an attempt not to lose depth at the position. That's not necessarily how it came off, but that's how I've been interpreting it mm-hmm. throughout the off season. Well, you the, saw they put Tanner Schaefer on scholarship. I did. I did see that. Why would you do that? To round out the 85. <laughs> you had one available. <laughs> I'm just like, here's the thing. This is not a con a competition. It's not, it's not a race. It's not a competition. This is Spencer Rattler would literally have to fall on his face, pull a rep Bomar, get drunk and fall out the back of a pickup truck. That wasn't Rhett Bomar. That was Brent Rawls. Rhett Bomar is the one who got paid uh, for not working at Big Red Sports and Imports. But you have to do something along those lines for Spencer Rattler not to be the starting quarterback. When you look at what he is physically and what he is mentally, this this is the leader of the team. And Tanner Mordecai, I mean, bless him. I'm glad he's still with the team. I'm glad he's got that fire to fight for this job. But this isn't any more of a competition than it was between – Kyler Murray and Tanner Mordecai, or whoever was all in that, Jalen Hurts and Tanner Mordecai. This is not a competition. This is, hey, we got QB1. The real competition is who's QB2. I agree. Hey, speaking of quarterbacks, though, speaking of quarterbacks and five stars, (laughs) Oklahoma's top target for 2021, Caleb Williams, 24-7 24-7 Sports just redid all their rankings going into the 2021 recruiting cycle. Caleb Williams now is the top-rated quarterback of the 2021 recruiting cycle. Now, here's why this is important. Remember, Brock Vandergrift, January 1st, decides, I want to go to Georgia. The line's shorter there. I can play there. So Brock Vandergrift, who had been committed to this Oklahoma class for 2021, no longer a part of it, Caleb Williams... Oklahoma's new target is a dual threat guy. He's the number one dual threat quarterback. Now he's the number one overall quarterback. Just got his fifth star at the 2021 class. He is the number six overall player in 2021, according to 24 seven sports. And it's right now it's between Oklahoma and LSU. LSU losing their offensive basically your entire offensive staff hiring Scott Lanahan. I, I think when you see this play out, the, to me, the only reason he chooses LSU over Oklahoma, he you're shaking your head. You can, he, he does. You can hang on. But, but the only reason he would again is playing time. Cause you're going to come in after the first year of Spencer Rattler, probably take your registrate yourself, but do you want to wait two to three more years to play? I think it'd be two years, but do, how quickly do you want to the front of the line? The line may be shorter in Baton Rouge than it is in Norman. But when you look about Lanahan, Scott Lanahan has a not a great history of development. 
But he's he's not even going to be the quarterback's coach. But I'm saying he's going to be the offensive coordinator. He's going to be the guy controlling it. I'm yeah, just, the passing game, designing the passing game. Yeah, that affects the quarterback. <laughs> it I, does the, pretty the, significantly. The, the point I'm making is when you look at who's who's developing players right now, who hasn't developed players in the last 20 years, it's night and day difference. Mm-hmm. But again, the line could be shorter in Baton Rouge. LSU is the flavor of the the month for me, and it's because of the soaring success that LSU just experienced. This past season with a return to a national championship game and winning that national championship game. But it was also what a lot of people, myself included, said was a revitalization or a rethinking of the SEC offenses. It's not a ground and pound game. It is we are going to throw the ball and we're heavily and quickly as a conference moving towards the spread offense. But will they continue that? Because that's, that Lenihan is, is an NFL guy. I get Pro that. Pro formation. He's more of the hey, he's, more, he's he's a lot closer to the Les Miles mold of offense offensive philosophy than than what we just saw in Baton Rouge this last season. Joe Brady was the same way, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, an NFL guy. He, he well, he is a, he's back to being an NFL guy, but I think Brady was a lot more innovative than what we've seen from Lenihan. Yeah, it's to me, it's just a situation of adapt or lose your job. <laughs> okay. okay. The co- the collegiate ranks and we're seeing this start to trickle up a little bit, not as consistently. I don't think we'll ever see a college style of football in the NFL. There's too much talent. There's too much speed when you get to the NFL level to begin to take advantage of a lot of the matchups that these college coaches have found mm-hmm. and the spacing that they found. NFL is a completely different caliber, a completely different level of Football. Needless to say, when it comes to to LSU, like I said, I feel like they're the flavor of the month. Who doesn't want to play at LSU coming off of a national championship? Winning the SEC, which has claimed how many national championships over the past 10 years? Too many to count on one hand. You want to play in the SEC and you want to play for the best team. When it comes to Caleb Williams specifically, I shake my head and I say no that he's not going to LSU because I think LSU, by bringing in Lanahan, has essentially said we're committing to Nussmeyer, four-star quarterback, pro-style quarterback. I feel like they're saying we're committing to him. He's our guy. He's our top target. I know everything shifted when Joe Brady left. All of a sudden, Oklahoma loses their commit and makes this hard push for Williams, and it panned out because we saw all of the experts say he's trending towards Oklahoma. Oklahoma does have that spot open. They need a top target. They need someone to anchor that 2021 class. And I think they're selling out to get Caleb Williams. That's why I think he lands in Norman over LSU. It's a difference of who's committed, who's going all in to use a poker term versus who's using you as a backup. Time will tell. I mean, we're, we're so, so early into this. I mean, we're, we're 10 months away from the early signing period. So we'll see what it, what it works out, but Oklahoma, you know, just fine as far as recruiting goes, both 2020 and 2021. I think as long as you're signing top 10 classes, like, I mean, only, only, it's like the national championship. Only one person gets to take on the trophy. But what are you doing with the talent you have? And, and Oklahoma continually with those top 10 classes, like, you got, you got to get better on defense. That, that's, that, nothing's changed with Oklahoma in the last four it, years. It's all around. 
you got to get better on defense. Hey, spring sports, we're, we're going to talk more football. Um, we're going, we've got several more thing topics to to get a hold of, but we we got to talk some bedlam basketball. We got to talk NFL draft, particularly with Oklahoma. Uh, I want to talk maybe a little bit of XFL if we have time. But spring sports are are in full swing. Baseball kind of got off to a rough start. Lost six to nothing in the season opener last Friday uh, against Virginia, but bounced back. They've won four in a row now. They they took the series. Two to one against Virginia, winning seven to two, five to one, and then just hammered Texas Southern, which is what you're supposed to do in your home opener, 14 1, 12 to one. Look, it's it's Skip Johnson's third year. So you gotta you gotta you gotta start doing some things. And so far, when when you look at this team, offensively, they're third in the Big 12 in batting average. And here's the thing that's really crazy to me about this. They're batting as a team. They're batting over 300 as a team. And this is a a team that got shut out in their very first opener. So with a shutout on their schedule, on their record, they're still as a team batting over 300. They're also third in the the Big 12 in team ERA and pitching at 2.3. They've played more games than than anybody else in the Big 12 as well with, with five games. And when you look at everyone else having four games and you've got five but yet your your batting average and your ERA are right there with the with the leaders in the Big 12. I don't know I don't see how you can't get excited about the potential of what this baseball team can do. Now Texas Tech is still going to be Texas Tech, but if you're Oklahoma, I, I think this is a, this is a year where if you're if you're evaluating, you got to finish I think top three or four in the Big 12, and four is maybe borderline of of, of like mediocre. So. Right now, you've got Illinois State coming in for a four-game series this coming weekend. Uh, they'll play twice on Saturday, one game Friday, one game Sunday, and then then you kind of you, you get some real competition. Um, you got Arkansas, Missouri, and LSU coming up the following weekend. So, baseball impressive start for me. What what are your thoughts? I do agree with you. One of the major concerns throughout the years really came down to pitching. And it wasn't that Oklahoma didn't have quality pitchers, but when you talk about these three-game weekends and potential double double headers, there was always one day that seemed to fall short. That's a trend that we've noticed previously with Skip Johnson taking over. I think the expectation was that would incrementally get better. He is a pitcher's coach, has a lot of know-how in that specific area, and has produced some great talent even before arriving at the University of Oklahoma. We won't mention where he's coming from, but he's produced some quality talent. I now believe we're finally seeing that pan out for him. You're seeing a guy like Kate Cavalli earn these preseason honors. They've got a quality pitching staff, even though Cavalli in that first game, I, I don't believe pitched his best game and probably will go down as one of the worst of his entire season. He had the jitters. First game jitters. That's what I'm thinking, and, and that's where I'm heading is saying, this is the team that, that's just been shaking the rust off. We knew that they had speed. We knew that they had power at the plate, and we know that they've got quality defenders, regardless of if they were highly recruited or if they're guys who are coming in from local programs just right around the Oklahoma city Metro. They've got a good team that can put up numbers defensively and not make a ton of errors. We, they've got guys who can hit the ball at the plate. They've never had the pitching staff come together the way that I, I see it currently. Is it a little bit of fool's gold? 
I don't know because we haven't played enough quality opponents to know that at this point in time. Well, you've but played one. You've played it, one quality exactly, opponent. Exactly. That's what right. I'm saying. So we'll know a little bit more down the road. But the way things are shaping up, baseball, pitching, things are finally coming together for Skip Johnson as, as the head coach of the University of Oklahoma. Okay, so let's take the short walk from the baseball stadium to the softball stadium. If I were to tell you last weekend that Oklahoma was going to lose a game out in Arizona, who would you have picked that loss to be against? Um, let's back up. A short walk, how how many minutes does it take? I think it's less than five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Inside jokes aside. When I, when I looked at the the opponents who are sitting early on, Oklahoma has, has been very notorious for participating in these tournaments that feature other top-ranked programs. That's something that we've seen in Mexico year after year. That's something that we've seen elsewhere, this one being, you said, in Arizona. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking at the teams that are present there, Arizona, familiarity with Oklahoma, why? Because we basically, okay, Arizona State gave Oklahoma a pitcher. Oklahoma gives Arizona a pitcher in Lopez. I'm thinking the familiarity the preparation, the being at the college women's college world series, seeing each other play Arizona would have been the team you picked. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not who Oklahoma lost to. In fact, Oklahoma played Arizona number three in the nation, uh, four in the nation, I believe. And it was a marathon game that went extra innings. Oklahoma ends up winning six to four, by the way, Mariah Lopez gets tagged for the first loss of the season against her former team. But Oklahoma drops the game before that in a, in a actually complete meltdown situation with Shannon Sale in the circle now, meltdown or looking ahead. I, I think it meltdown. I mean, either way, it's. A, I mean, you're, you you give up the runs and and you lose it in the bottom of the seventh by basically walking in one run and then a fielding error and so forth. They lost to Long Beach State. Now it's the second time they played Long Beach State this season. They they played them out in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and beat them ten to three. But they end up losing to Long Beach four to five out at the Hill and Brand Invitational in Tucson, Arizona. But now, I mean, it, you talk about a step up in competition. It's about to get real for Oklahoma. They start out by playing Nebraska. They're they're at the and um, where are they? Cathedral City, California, the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. Listen to this. Listen to who who's there. I, I mean, first of all, we'll throw out Seattle University because Seattle University is not going to like really make you go wow. Okay, but they're starting out with Nebraska on Friday, Texas A and M on Friday. And then Saturday is the get, the day you really want to pay attention because they play Seattle. But then after Seattle, they're going to play Washington. The Huskies right now, number one in the country, or at least they were last time I checked, at the rankings. And then Wisconsin. And you remember Wisconsin is one of the teams they played on their way to the World Series last year. That's going to be a, a good litmus test for Oklahoma softball. It's this, definitely the of the three weekend tournament classic invitational things that they've been to. This is the strongest one, the strongest field, because after that, they come home for the Courtyard Marriott Tournament that features Northwestern, Abilene Christian, and North Texas. Okay, don't, don't slack on Northwestern. No, I'm just saying. Like, you just I, ran right over no, them. Uh, they, they're a top 25 well, team right and, now. And we, we've seen Northwestern in, in last year, but the point I'm making is when you look at the field of Texas A&M, Nebraska, Washington, and Wisconsin, and you compare that with the field of Northwestern, Abilene Christian, and North Texas— that that championship game is in that tournament because that actually is a tournament, the Courtyard Marriott tournament in Norman next weekend. If that championship game is anything but Northwestern Oklahoma, We'd some major disappointments ha have taken place. 
But here's the thing. It has been for Oklahoma, and, and I, I applaud Patty Gasso for what she's doing because you look at her two pitchers, you know, she's got two seniors, Shannon Sale, who has just an incredibly low ERA this season. And then you've got G. Juarez, where we've seen very little of her this season. I think her one game she started, she only went like two innings. But it has been a revolving door of pitchers early for Patty Gasso. I expect that to stop, at least slow down substantially in California this weekend because she's got to figure out now her her I mean I look she's still going to throw other other pitchers I mean it's not just going to be Sale and and, and Juarez. I'm, I'm over here shaking my head making you doubt yourself no huh? I'm no I'm I'm saying this because you are shaking your head I it's am. it's going to be other pitchers other, it's not just going to be Juarez and Sale but she's not going to throw five pitchers in a game I guarantee you that mm-hmm. I'll come back next week and and say I'm a dirty trash can full of poop if she throws well outside of the Seattle game okay <laughs> outside of that game. Against these big dogs, she's not going to throw five pitchers. There's no way it's happening. I, when I look at this slate, before we ever hit conference play, when I'm looking at the slate, let's just, because you're focusing on the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic, I don't see G. Juarez. Why'd you say it like that? I slowed down. Okay. I wanted right. to emphasize it. Okay. Is that okay? No, it's fine. When I'm looking at the five teams... Like that word nutter, do you? When I'm looking at the five games that are sitting here in front of Oklahoma, I don't see G. Juarez pitching in many of them. You're, you're crazy. I you're mean, crazy. No, you're crazier Matt, than I'm crazy. Matt, listen, listen to me. Okay, hear me out on this. One thing that we've seen traditionally, one thing that we've seen repetitively, I mean, we could even label this at this point as a habit... One thing that we've seen from Patty Gasso. I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yes, you do. One thing we see from Patty Gasso. Let me say it. Let me say it. One thing we see from Patty Gasso is that she holds the ace out, generally speaking, early on in the season when a potential pairing with a team arises on the schedule, a potential pairing with a team who Oklahoma could see again at the Women's College World Series. Mm -hmm. Washington is that team of the five that we've pointed out here. But I think one thing that you're missing on this, well, two things. Number one, we've seen very little of G. Juarez through the first two weekends. We have, which is why she comes home and pitches. But also, this team doesn't have Mariah Lopez. Last year, it was Mariah Lopez who benefited from Giselle Juarez being Mm -hmm. held out. They don't have Mariah Lopez. So I don't think she goes. Shannon Sale. But still, I mean, even even when even when you had the pages, Paige Parker and Paige Lowry, you had Parker Conrad, you had some other developed talent that were upperclassmen. Gasso does not have that. And so at some point, you've got to start working Giselle Juarez into the system, into the rotation. Unless it's just she, not against Washington. Oh, I, I think it is. I, I, I really do. I think this is where it's. I think this is where it starts happening. This is this is where you see. This is the weekend where that rotation is shortened, and I, I, I think against Seattle, you know, you're gonna throw, you're gonna throw whoever you want to against Seattle. And I think you're going to see the same thing against Abilene Christian, North Texas, but it's time to start letting your big dogs eat. And I think that happens this weekend. We're going to agree to disagree. Hey, the good news is I'm back for a while, so we can get back on here next week and talk and, about who was right and who was wrong. And, and I, the truth is, is when this airs, we'll, we'll have our answer. We'll know who's right. It won't <laughs> be a debate. Um, I do think the Big 12 is 
deeper this year than what it has been in years past. I'm a little bit saddened that Baylor has all but fallen off the map at this point in time. Because, Matt, when you and I started attending the Women's College World Series as members or credentialed members of the media, Baylor was there. And Baylor was consistently mm-hmm. there. Now, I get that Oklahoma State has kind of risen up and taken that place. And Texas is is back to where I don't want to say they've been but where Texas has previously been when Kat Osterman was at Texas. They're, but you, they're here. But you do realize that, that Baylor's 8-2 and two on the season and Oklahoma State's 5-4. and four. Competition, man. <laughs> okay, okay, you're going you're gonna to say that. I, I'm going to preference that, or preface everybody to a conversation you and I had because I was looking at Alabama, who, mm-hmm. by the way, had a losing record the last time I looked at 4-5 and five, and were still included in the top 15 as one of the best teams in college softball. I, look, I, who are the losses to? I don't follow Oklahoma State as much as I follow. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell. You. I can we can well, look them up, but he, here's the thing though about the Big Twelve in general is that I think it's deep. You, I think I don't think Baylor's terrible. I, I think they're they're okay. Um, I, I didn't say they I, were I, terrible. I think I'm, I think the Big Twelve right now. I, you're right about Texas. They're 11 and 0. We we know the coach there, Mike White. He's came from Oregon, and and Texas threw a lot of money at him. Because of they want to get back to the Cat Osterman days, mm-hmm. and they're tired of Oklahoma dominating this conference in all sports. <laughs> <laughs> it's truth. Oklahoma, I think Baylor, Oklahoma State, and maybe throw Texas Tech in there. I think this conference goes legitimately goes five deep. You, you, all right, who, who have they lost to? You, well, one of them's Team USA, just in case. You well, care. that's a, that. Yeah, that's. Um, it's number eleven LSU twice. Number 19 slash 18, Missouri, and Team USA. Okay, that's all I want to talk about spring sports. You got anything else you want to <laughs> add? Their wins, they've got two wins over ranked opponents. Yeah, yeah. softball is going to be a very interesting year considering the number of teams that, that the Big 12 actually has Oklahoma that field State, a softball team. Yeah, here's the thing I want to say. Oklahoma State's not going to be as good offensively this year as they were last year. And they may not be. I, I think they – I don't want to say caught – a little bit of a break here, but they had some things happen that you wouldn't have anticipated. And we, we played witness to a couple of those. When I'm looking at the big 12, this is all I'm going to say. It's going to make an interesting year for softball. The league isn't just being handed to Oklahoma this year because of the turnover that Oklahoma has had across the entire roster. Still got some power hitters. You still have some, some solid, solid pitchers, but you've got a lot of young players who are assuming big roles on this team. Can Oklahoma carry that momentum? Can they do what everyone expects them to do and make an appearance in the national championship once again? We'll have to wait and see. Assuming Oklahoma loses a, a game in the in the Big 12. I mean, two years in a row they've gone undefeated mm-hmm. in conference play. Assuming someone beats them this year, who's going to be? I, I believe it very well could be Texas. And Texas had a really good freshman pitcher. Last year, who's now working with a, a new staff. Yeah, Obviously, she probably got a new catcher, too, after getting pelted in the face. So I'm just, after, just saying. I, I don't I, I don't intend to laugh at that, but that was unexpected. You caught me off guard. That was my only response. Like I said, Texas quality pitcher last year, a little bit more experienced. Um, new coaching staff, a little bit more experienced in big games. That's the series that, that I would be looking at of three games, Oklahoma potentially dropping one. Texas right now with the top offense in the Big 12, batting 444 as a team. Texas also the top pitching staff, 1-1-2 ERA. 
followed by Oklahoma State very closely, 1-1-8 ERA, and then Oklahoma 1-5-6 ERA. The Sooners do lead the Big 12 in home runs with 13. The next closest to them is Oklahoma State at 10. It's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun uh, spring season. But I want to talk some more football. Simply Safe Home Security is like getting a commercial grade enterprise level security but for your own home. Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass breaking sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set up a system yourself with no tools needed, or Simply Safe can, experts can do it for you. But it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today to get free shipping on your order plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. Simplysafe.com slash overtime. Okay, I want to run through this really fast because I, I do want to talk more football with you, particularly uh, NFL draft. And if you've got any thought on the XFL, I mentioned it while I was uh, recording alone um, during my trip. But Oklahoma basketball loses to Kansas, loses to Baylor, sitting at 16 wins on the season. We've always talked about that magic number being 20. When you When you look at this, do you see – Four wins left on Oklahoma's schedule. Man, that's that's a difficult ask at this point in time. Oklahoma, I felt like got their marquee win. I was hoping they could get one against Baylor to really solidify that NCAA tournament berth. Why? Number one team. They've only lost one game this season. They were playing without arguably their best player, and in the first pairing, Oklahoma played them a lot tighter than what I would have expected. Granted, we didn't know just how good Baylor was at that point in time, but it gave me a false sense of security, a false sense of hope. I, I don't know that there's there's four more wins. Okay, here, here's the schedule. At Oklahoma State, you got Bedlam Round 2 coming up this Saturday. At home against Texas Tech, uh, actually that's not, I think that game's played at the Chesapeake Arena, uh, but it's still a home game. At West Virginia, Texas, and at TCU, mm-hmm. it is imperative that they win Bedlam round two. Yeah, if, if you lose Bedlam on Saturday, it's in Stillwater. You lose that game, then I really think your your chances of twenty wins are null and void at that point. But I, I, am I am is it too far fetched for me to think that Texas Tech's not playing great basketball right now? Texas not playing great basketball right now. TCU absolutely not playing great basketball right now. West Virginia, you, you won in Norman, and it's just West Virginia. I, I, did you see Bob Huggins' comment after the West Virginia game no, in Norman? I, I loved it. They, they, someone asked him, you know, what contributing factors to the loss, and here's exactly what he said: We missed 22 shots from within a foot of the basket. That should be impossible, but we <laughs> missed 22 shots. 
from within a foot of the basket. I mean, look, West Virginia is a great defensive team, but they're a terrible offensive team. And you think you can at least play with those. I, I think, I think there's still four wins, four out of five. You, you lose one of them most likely at Morgantown. Can they, can they win in Stillwater? Yeah, that's a bad team. Can they beat Texas Tech? They're a good team, but they're not this not Texas Tech of last year. They've already beaten West Virginia. They've already beaten Texas, and you get them in Norman. That's a terrible team. By the way, your boy Shaka Smart is about to get fired. And at TCU, not a great team. There's got to be four wins left here. And if you only get three, if you go three and two down the stretch, you can pick up one at Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament. I think they still get to I – th- I think they get to 20. Here's my, my biggest concern. I'm going to answer your question first because you're asking, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely is a completely different question. I think it is. I think it's both possible and likely. This is a good Oklahoma team. They just had to play back-to-back games against the number four and the number one team in the country. They did. And here's, this is where my concern comes from is because over this, this, I'm even going to go one further than that. If we're going to look at the past three games, who has been the, the star of the show? It's been Christian Doolittle. Right. What happens when someone figures out the riddle that it's Christian Doolittle, solves that puzzle, and all of a sudden, all of the pressure for scoring is now on Brady Manick and Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves not shooting the ball well. I'm He's not, a volume shooter. I said that from day one. He's a volume I'm, shooter. I'm not 100% confident that when, if, a team is able to shut down Christian Doolittle, that a guy like Austin Reeves steps up and picks up I'm gonna, the slack. I'm going to point you to Bedlam round one and look at what Brady Manning did against Oklahoma State. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying is I expect Manning to get his numbers. Right. But who's going to be that second guy when all of a sudden 23 points is, mm-hmm. is roughly what Doolittle's averaging? What happens when those disappear? Who picks up that scoring slack? Because that's a huge swing if he only gets 9, 10, 11 points on any evening. Now, I think Alondis Williams... That's exactly is, what I was is, about to say. Alondis Williams had 11 points against Baylor the other he's, night. He's a very good option, really coming into his own... And Alondis Williams legitimately could be the best player on this team next season. Athletically. Yes. Athletically, I think he is. The thing is... <laughs> Right now, it's still Christian Doolittle. No, I, and the I, expectation but, is, but for that's him to what you do. Yeah, team. but that that's that's what you do. I mean, mm. you if you're it's strategy, it's it's sports. You you game plan for the best player, and so if you're going to game plan for Christian Doolittle, then Brady Manick and Austin Reeves and Alondis Williams, those guys have to produce. Right. That's what, what I'm happened saying. is Austin Reeves gave us two points. And you got you got to have more than two points. And and especially when you play the number one team in the country, if you're that third score or even the fourth score, you got to give him more than two points. And Austin Reeves, I, I agree with what you're saying. He's a volume guy. If he gets going, like we saw in the first round of Bedlam, the guy's just uh, incredible. But he, if he doesn't get that confidence early in the game, the guy can make or break your make or break your game. I guess is what I'm saying. But that's why I like Alondis Williams coming on as well. Exactly. Oklahoma does have. Quality talent. We haven't even mentioned Jamal Bienemy. We haven't mentioned mm-hmm. Devion Harmon at this point in time. There are quality guys. Kukarath. We haven't mentioned guys who have contributed in significant ways at sporadic points throughout this season who could come alive at any moment. I'm looking at what are the big three going to do for me today? And if they're not carrying the weight, what happens against Texas? 
What what happens? Well, Texas is so Oklahoma? bad. Texas State. is bad right now. Did you what see? What happens I, against West Virginia? I don't know Virginia. if you saw Wednesday night. There was legitimately less than 200 people in the in the arena, and and I know Oklahoma's got its own set of problems when it comes to basketball attendance, but it was like the student section was absolutely empty. This is a bad team. This is the worst Texas has ever been <laughs> since. I mean, do you, do you remember they thought they could do better than Rick Barnes? I mean, they, they thought, man, Rick Barnes just isn't good enough for us. Let's go for Shaka Smart. Which was a home run of a hire at the time. Well, home no, I don't think it was a home run hire because of the conference that he played in. It's easy to dominate smaller conferences. I mean, sometimes, look, Bill Self was a home run. Bill Self went from ORU to Kansas. All right, now, now, not directly, but you, you get the point. I'm saying he dominated in a small conference at ORU, and as he worked his way up, he continued to dominate. Shaka Smart didn't do that. He dominated the small conference and fell on his face in the Big 12. I mean, this is a bad Texas team right now. I, if Oklahoma loses, I'll be more disappointed if Oklahoma loses that Texas game than I will if they lose to Oklahoma State because uh, I think Mike Boynton can coach. One thing's for sure is. Big 12's not getting seven or eight teams in the NCAA tournament this year like we've seen in previous years. It's just not that it's not that that quality of a conference this season. I bet see I think it is. I mean, Do you I, think they can get seven I or don't eight? know about seven or eight, but when you talk about the quality of the conference, this is a conference as the number 1 team in the country. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Baylor has gone I I can't remember the statistic. And we, so, we've got an SEC problem going on right now, well, okay? But look, Baylor has <laughs> gone longer as the number one team than any other number one this year. And I think last year combined, this is the longest winning streak in big 12 history. Mm-hmm. This is a good team and Kansas right there at, at number three, Oklahoma, look, Oklahoma 16 and 10. We're talking about them getting in the, in the tournament. I think you can go five or six deep. Excuse my stomach for that. I don't, I, I don't, don't know disagree. if you heard that or not, but my stomach just said, feed me. I don't disagree with the five. The five or six, but outside of that five you or got, six, if you're not finishing out of, top five, your look, chances of making the NCAA of, are slim. I think it depends on Kansas City. Out of 10 teams in the Big 12, you got two with losing records, one at 500. That's not bad. 80, 80% of the conference has a 500 record or better. Right. That's not bad. Matt, it's it's the it's, same. It, no, it's the same thing we talk about with football. It's, it is because that's exactly because where Iowa I was State going. is Thank not you. Iowa State. Iowa State's usually one of the top two or three teams in the Big Twelve, and they're not there this year. And so you see Iowa State down there. You see Texas Tech not dominating like they did last year. But oh, they lose their best player from but, last year too. But the point I'm making is, it's just the the players are different. West Virginia's better than they were last year. But here's, West Virginia's taking that spot of Iowa State. The thing, the thing when you no, reference no, they're not getting eight teams in. I think they get five or six. When you reference basketball or compare it to football, this is a, a league that's been dominated by the defenses. It, it's not this high-scoring, right. high-flying offense. Same exact thing that that happened in football. I'm not saying that the top half isn't a good set of teams. I'm saying there's an SEC problem. Here and Texas won the Alamo Bowl, and therefore and, the Big 12 was the best conference in all of football last year. Baylor has exceeded expectations this year already. They're an NCAA tournament team, and they're but easily, they're terribly coached. They're, they are they, they will disappoint. The number one seed, mm-hmm. the but number they're terribly one overall coached. You realize that. You realize that, right? 
They're That's terribly okay. coached. That's they're okay. they're they're freakishly athletic, but they're terribly coached. That's a okay. It's okay. working out for them. If I was One betting box. money, if I was betting money, I would bet on Baylor not to make it to the Final Four. Here's what I'm saying though: is Baylor, Kansas, really good teams. Texas Tech, above average. Mm-hmm. West Virginia West above Virginia, average. Above average. Oklahoma average. Exactly, and the rest of the teams are riding the coattails. Of that top four. Yeah, but there's going to be someone who makes it. Someone riding the coattails is going to make it. Hey, look. All I'm saying is it's an SEC complex. Like, you think Texas A&M's good because Alabama's good? No, no. Yeah, I can't jump on it. All right. uh, We got a few more minutes here. Let's talk NFL draft. Oklahoma got some players. Mel Kuyper Jr. released his latest mock draft. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You want to play a game? Let's play a game. First player off the board, according that's to Mel Kiper Jr. Play. Well, that's the I'm game kidding. we're playing. That, that one's extremely easy. C.D. Lamb, um, this is a draft number one where I believe teams are looking for wide receivers early, but it's also a very deep draft when it comes to the wide receiver position. C.D. Lamb just being one of the best to ever play this game at this point in time. You want to guess who? C.D. Lamb. I mean, but guess who's going to draft him? Oh, um... I, I I cheated on your paper. I know what number, so let me let me deduce what teams there. The Jets. I think it's the Raiders, though. It's the Jets at number eleven. All right. So did you see did you see who number no. two is? All right. No. The second guy. But, to- but number two is easy for me as well. Um, you're looking at the linebacker. Mm-hmm. Help me out here. No, I'm not gonna help you out. <laughs> You, you, Murray. Yeah, there you I, go. I just, I Kenneth I, Murray. I keep wanting to say Kyler. And that's no, not he's a, not a linebacker. Kenneth, Kenneth Murray. Um, you got him at 31? No. The Chiefs? No, no, no. Okay. No, 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 no. Where, no. where you got? Uh, it's not me. It's Mel Kuyper. No, this is Mel Kuyper. Kuyper Mel Kuyper has been going at number 19 overall to the wow. Las Vegas Raiders. Not wow. the LA Raiders, but the Las Vegas. I just came from Las Vegas, and they're super excited about the Raiders. That stadium is pretty cool looking it as is, well. But um, here's the thing. Mel Kuyper only has two players going in the first round. That leaves a guy like Neville Gallimore out going into the second round. I don't – I all due respect to Mel Kuyper, I don't see Neville Gallimore not being a first-round pick unless he tanks. And maybe Mel Kuyper knows he's going to tank at the combine. It, The NFL draft is so hard to predict because it very rarely comes down to just talent, just the measurables. There are all kinds of factors that are at play. And in fact, we even get a few surprises every now and then. I remember, let's just go back to Baker Mayfield's year, when the speculation was that Mayfield would not go number one. Mm-hmm. And there were all kinds of reasons that people were listening well, had why the same he thing wouldn't. With Kyler Murray. I, right. I, I just so, think, but some of that I think is posturing. It may be. All I'm saying is that trades happen... People are looking to fill positions with experienced, proven players. That shakes things up. How far are they willing to trade up in order to get that? What about the draft and trade situations that we've seen as well? There's a lot that that happens. And that's why I think it's so difficult to predict that. But what I'm saying is ultimately it comes down to need. What's your guess on Jalen Hurts? I'm saying if there's a quality player 
and you need him, you take him. Guess on Jalen Hurts. I, I I still Man, say Neville. I, I still I say know. Neville goes in the first round because there's a need for defensive tackles that are quick and strong. He's going in the first round. I think early second. For Jalen Hurts? No, no, no. Oh, for Neville Gallimore. Okay. Gallimore. So early second. Jalen right. Hurts, man, that's a huge. Where, where would you place a huge, him? A huge. What order? No, where? Just where? What? What? Um, I have what no round? idea because I don't give me even a round. know. I don't even know how NFL teams want to use him, but I'm gonna say because he has a combine invite. He's gonna be a quarterback. His his trainer said he's gonna be a quarterback. Three. I think fourth round. We'll see. I mean, it's it's this what. This is me just throwing. It's a, late a, February. We still have about dark, two months. To the darkness. We still have two months. We have the combine. We have pro day. I say fourth round. You say yeah. third round, and we can we can reserve the right to change that. Mm-hmm. I still say Absolutely. fourth round though. Okay, let's move from NFL combine, NFL draft to XFL. Bob Stoops getting his first win with Landry Jones as the quarterback. A terrible performance. Landry Jones' words, not mine. I don't know if you saw any of the Landry Jones interviews, but they were quite entertaining. Dallas beats LA 25 to 18. Here's what bothers me about this because I've watched not near as much of the XFL as you have. Mm-hmm. But I do know that LA fired their defensive coordinator after the first game because they just got thrashed by Houston. I do know that. Houston just lost to St. Louis. I don't know if the if the if the offense is as good as as what we want it to be for the Dallas Renegades. That's all I'm throwing out there. I feel like that's across the board. Um, I have watched a handful of games in the XFL, and the biggest the biggest area of concern from team one in the ranking standings to number eight in the standings has been the offensive line. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been that gelling that we see from guys who play three to four years as avid college football fans. There hasn't been that gelling. They're still trying to figure things out. Right. So the offensive lines have, have definitely got to pick it up. And I think you'll start you'll start seeing these offenses score points. Now, of all the games I've watched, Matt, you know how many of them have hit the over-under, have gone over on the over-under? Zero. Just just to give right. you a heads up. Is it a good that. product? I mean, in your opinion, is it a good product? So here, this is why I think the NCAA and the NFL need to buy in and back the XFL is because – they can use the XFL as a testing grounds for any new rules that they would like to implement. What we're seeing in the XFL, Matt, you haven't watched a ton of it, but are you familiar with the rules? Yeah, I love the kickoffs. So the kickoffs are a huge part because on the college level, on the NFL level, those are risks, calculated risks Mm. on when you're going to return that kickoff. Granted, the XFL isn't putting them through the end zone, and, and that's by design because of versus, I should say, what we're seeing in the NFL and NCAA, where those kickoffs are actually taking place from. So 90% of the kickoffs are being returned in the XFL. You're not seeing those hard-hitting collisions. You rarely see someone break through that 30-yard line, but it happens on very rare occasion. It's unique. The biggest thing that I like is the 25-second play clock mm-hmm. and the fact that the clock does not stop for an incomplete pass. What about the three-point conversion? The three—I've only seen it once, oh. and it was a—it was a total bust. It was the right situation to to use it in. I think um, I can't remember. It was DC, and they were up—I don't know, 28, 29, something like that to zero. So they went ahead and just went for it. Say, hey, we've got an opportunity. Let's test these grounds. It's not an easy conversion, though. I will tell you that. 
But I'm looking at the clock. How can we speed up games? That's been a, a conversation that has happened in the MLB. I think it's something that we may begin to hear a little bit more about in the NFL as well as the NCAA. How do we speed these games up? How do we get them under four, five hours even? Because let's go back to Texas Tech and Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield. But see, to me, that's entertaining. I, I don't care that it lasts that okay. long. I, I love that. You like the stoppage time, though? I, look, I don't care. I just, the plays happen regardless. Well, but, the stoppage uh, time. but that that very rarely. And we're not watching soccer here. Look, if you want to if you want to speed up a game, change how you do the review system. That's another thing the XFL does exceptionally right. well. Exactly. There there are a lot of things I do believe the XFL does well, but like I said, you're not asking me this question. I'm just giving you the answer. I think the NFL, I think the NCAA need to back the XFL for that reason that I stated. They're gonna at the have to. They're gonna have to throw money grounds. at it though. I mean, it's that, just, exactly. That's, that's, but exactly. here's here's what I said, um, and I don't know if you listen to the podcast. If you're not on it, I don't know if you listen. If you, if you're not on it, I don't know if you're one of our 15 listeners or not. Um, but um, I, I said that the, the XFL could easily become a minor league to the NFL. But the, he, I, that's what I said. But here's what's going to be the problem with that. The, the problem is twofold. Number one, the NFL is going to be too prideful to look at the XFL for help as far as rules. Well, they, and I, I think so. Um, I hope not. Because I, they, they backed away from the American AAF long, you know, last mm. year. They, they initially showed interest in that, and then they backed away in a hurry. They don't want to jump into a partnership with, with Vince McMahon. They don't. Not asking um, for a partnership. But, but to become a minor league farming system, you have to. Mm-hmm. Like Major League Baseball does. You know, you got triple A, double A, single A, independent. But the, the other the other thing is, is that I don't think the XFL wants to brand itself as a minor league sport. They want to brand itself as an alternative to yeah, the NFL that, during the spring. Be difficult. No, I don't think it is because it's the spring. I think it would be right. it'd be difficult to impossible if it was the even the summer. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're competing against you know NFL training camp and you're competing against uh, preseason football, but right now I think the XFL can find its niche. It's the first season, and so I think it all, the product is only going to get better. It, it's it's two weeks in and it's been a smashing success in my opinion. It's not great football. I mean, it's not NFL caliber football, and I think a lot of that goes back to the quarterback play. I was a huge well, Landry Jones. A lot of players who haven't played in years. Well, that's true. I was a huge Landry Jones fan when he was at the University of Oklahoma. I, I thought he was one of those guys that you didn't appreciate what you had until it was gone, right? And then you, you move from them from him to the Blake Bell years, and Blake Bell was fun, but the quarterback play suffered. Blake Bell, Trevor Knight, Kendall Thompson suffered after Landry left, right? But Landry Jones was not an NFL star. He was a backup quarterback. I think he started four games his entire career in the NFL. But he is the star. He is the figure player of the XFL. That there's the problem. You got to get better talent, better stars, well, and you're Land, not going to do that. Jones and, and Cardell Jones. Well, I would Cardell say are, are two of the most recognizable names. Recognizable names, but different caliber quarterbacks. Okay, Cardell Jones, athlete, won a national championship mm-hmm. off of athleticism. If I'm needing someone to throw a ball through a tire from 30 yards out, give me Landry Jones okay, 10 out of 10 times. Don't watch the XFL because Cardell Jones might change your opinion. Nah, I don't think so. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't, I'm not buying it. I mean, I, I, they're both washed up NFL players is what they are. <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth. But at least Landry Jones had more time in the NFL 
I, I just look, it's not a knock against Cardell Jones. He had a great first game. That's all I saw him was his first game. I didn't see what happened last weekend. The with second him. one was much better but, than the first. But Landry Jones also just had his first game. I would mm-hmm. expect to see an improvement from him this coming weekend. By the way, the Dallas Renegades are playing at Seattle on Saturday. Uh, Seattle one and one on the season, just like Dallas. At least we get to talk about football in February. You know what I'm saying? That's what you're taking away from this? Oh, yeah. Football in February. That's that's what it's all about. <laughs> all right. Well, he's Rich. I'm Matt. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sooner Nation podcast. We'll be back uh, with more uh, after the weekend and then into next week. You can catch us every day, heartland-sports.com, Oklahoma City Thunder, teeing it up. Again, after, real quick, all-star break's over. Thunder play Friday night. Will the second half of the season be equal, better, or worse than the first half of the season for the Thunder? Equal. Equal, you think they'll match 33 wins in the first half of the season? Here's, they don't even have that many games left. Well, okay. There, there's then it can't be games. equal. There's, there's 30 <laughs> games left. I'm saying, can, can they win more than 50% of those? Matt, there's there's 82 games in a season. We're 55. Whatever, 55? man. Yeah, 55. I, I think you they'll said win, equal. I think I they'll just... win 50% of those games. And here's the truth about Oklahoma City at this point is I believe they're positioning themselves as a team that nobody wants to play in the first uh, round of the I playoffs. don't buy that. I, I don't buy that. I know they think that and they feel that way. What a, I mean, the Clippers were that team a couple years ago. Uh, look, man, Utah uh, here, here's who nobody wants to play in the first round of the playoffs. Don't. No, no, no. Don't even give me the top four seeds. That's that's what it Don't is. Don't even give me You're, you're telling me. You're, look, you, you, you have the choice. You can play the, the Lakers. You can play the Nuggets. You can play the Clippers. You can play Houston. Or you the can Clippers. play. Yeah. Okay. Or, or you can play Oklahoma City. I'm just kidding you. You get I to pick. I'll, I'll let you be any in the top eight. You can't be the top four. Mm-hmm. So you can be Utah. You can be Dallas. But, but you can Matt, be Memphis. No, listen. No, here, help me. Let me finish. You can be Dallas, you can be Memphis, you can be Portland, you can be Utah. And you pick. Do you want to play the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Clippers, or the Thunder? Statistically. Tell me who you want to play. I don't care. Listen, just no, no, listen. No, listen, answer my out, question. Okay? Who do you want to play? it says that you would beat the, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder before any of those other teams. So, of course, you're going to pick them. Okay, that's my point. There but, is, there's, but when you enter the playoffs, Matt, who's the team that has nothing to lose? That's right. That's going to be Memphis. No, it's going to be Memphis with the eighth seed. The the, the Thunder, look. I. They're not even supposed to be here. Well, neither is Memphis. Look, I don't want to take anything away from them. They are far, I wrote an article about them. They are far better than what anybody expected. They've already, in the, in the the before the All-Star break, they hit their win total mm-hmm. for the whole season. Right. So they're already they've met everything from this point forward is gravy if you're an Oklahoma City fan. But please, please don't come at me with well, no one wants to play us in the first round. No, everybody wants to play you in the first round of the playoffs. Everybody. They would rather have you than the Lakers. I'm serious. Okay. Please don't come there, with There's Matt for you. That that's just the way it is. Okay. I'm I'm not gonna argue it with you because I'm never gonna convince you. <laughs> But what I know is there are teams who have nothing to lose, and those teams are dangerous. I'm saying if you could pick Oklahoma City or Oklahoma Memphis. Oklahoma City is not Portland of last year. Are, that's are you going. playing Oklahoma City or Memphis? I'm playing Memphis. Okay, then. But that's the, the, so, Memphis is barely so, a playoff so team Oklahoma at this point. Oklahoma City is like a, a notch above. But look, but look, Memphis is barely a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So that means you're a top four seed. And if you're playing Memphis, you're the number one seed. Yeah, give me Memphis. When Oklahoma City wins their first round pairing, oh my gosh! Don't don't oh come my at God. me. Okay, I won't. Don't, I don't won't. at me. 
on Twitter, <laughs> none of that stuff, okay? Sitter Nation Podcast, thanks so much. We'd love to hear your feedback. Drop a comment at heartland-sports.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can always drop us an email, heartland underscore sports at Yahoo. Have a great weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner.